We've all heard the phrase, that kind of thing doesn't happen in our town. But here on Midwest Murder, we will shatter that false reality. In fact, it happens more often than we know. And sometimes, the details of the most horrific crimes that happen in our neighborhoods are lost in the back pages of newspapers, forgotten on our news channels, and eventually erased over time. We're here to talk about murder, diving into some of the most controversial cases in Midwest history. This show will not shy away from the morbid details of these horrific events and the often ugly truths behind them. What you will hear is a detailed timeline of events, perspectives from those closely involved, and analysis by experts. What you will feel is the darkness that surrounds each story, the innocence lost by the victims, and hopefully the justice that was ultimately delivered. Don Palumbo. I'm still out of breath. My goodness. I forgot your name. Jonah Lanto. I have a name. You do. You get to say the guy. That's actually how we started that, for yeah. those of you who've never heard this, was because the first time we read this, uh, the intro, it was the first episode, and I was out of breath, much like then, because, oh my gosh, stairs, dancing, forgetting to breathe, all of that. And, uh, and I didn't know what to do, so I just said her name. <laughs> just I said was my like, name. Don Palumbo. Thank God. And then Thank like, you. <gasps> Turning blue. Jonah Lanto. Yeah. So, and then it became a natural part of our intro. Yeah. And here we are. A lot of organic happenings. That's what we do. So, a uh, big thank you to everyone here with us tonight. We are returning to the Sanctuary Event Center in Fargo. Thank you to everybody at Jade Presents, as well as the staff here at the Sanctuary. We wouldn't be able to do it without you guys here in the audience, without you guys listening to us, without all of the staff and, and everybody. It's, it is amazing, incredibly humbling every single time we do this. Being on a stage like this is, is quite the honor, and it, it's a really big deal. Thank you guys yeah. so much for supporting an independently produced and created Midwest podcast. Yeah, it's huge. It, it, you have no idea how much it means, and uh, yeah. It, well, it now really hopefully you have well, now, an idea. Well, now hopefully we've, we've actually said Prior, that. Prior, yeah. you maybe had no idea. Maybe now we, we want you to maybe have Maybe we sometimes said it, and then now, now we've actually... Don's really an ideas guy, and she wants you to have the idea, too. Sure, yeah. Whatever. Don Ideas Guy Palumbo. It's actually her nickname in the business. That's what we call her. This is just three now. That's cool. Just in 30 seconds. I think All it's right. your first three times in one night there. <laughs> <laughs> nicknames, guys. Nicknames. Can... Whoa. I'm sorry. Ear, earmuffs? Does that work here? I can assure you it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Enough of the adult jokes. All right. Anyway. We're all adults here. <laughs> Thank you to absolutely everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast and, of course, continues to listen. We are so grateful for the comments, the feedback, whether it be negative, positive, all of that, and, of course, the support that we receive from everybody. We truly, truly appreciate it. So, Jonah, what are people saying about Midwest Murder? Yeah, you can jump right on iTunes and leave a review. We really do appreciate that, and maybe someday we'll read your review up here during a live show. This one came from... Shopping Tooth, amazing, four stars. I am questioning the decision I made to wait this long to start listening. Amazing. So easy to listen to. I love the dialogue between Don and Jonah. Boom. Wait, so are you, are you giving yourself four stars? Because four. you, because you made, you waited so long to listen to us or are you giving us four stars? I'm just kidding. I'm joking. It's funny. Whoa. Coming you in guys, hot. You guys, that was so, supposed to be funny. Okay, it was not. Um, Shopping Tooth, I'm very sorry. It was a joke. Four stars is amazing, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, I, I love every star. I'm so sorry. 
Four stars, much better than one star. Absolutely. Absolutely. This next one comes from Lois JH53, Midwest Murders. Love, love, love. Never was a true crime fan until I found this podcast. You know what, Lois? Me neither. Mm-hmm. That is that is actually very, very true. I, I love it when people say that, that... that uh, they were never a true crime uh, fan before. That's one of my favorite things. That's actually a really big, a really big yeah. honor that to to bring somebody into maybe the podcasting world or the true crime mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Very, very cool. One of my other favorite things, and it, it may sound weird, and I'm, I am being completely serious, but when people tell us that they listen to us before they go to sleep and, and we put them to sleep, yeah. and it's it's like... Initially, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, hold on. I'm like... They're like, no, you're so Like soothing. Ben Stein? Like, kind of like that? Or is it, like, in a good way? It's like, yeah. I remember falling asleep during my teacher's lectures. Yeah. Is that what you're saying here? Yeah. Yeah, like, hold on a second. But no, it, it is a good thing. It's one of those, those cool things. I will, I will lull you to sleep if you want me to start reading yeah. you stories. I will. I just can't imagine being put to sleep by murder. Uh, but it, people yeah. do it. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I do it often, actually. Yeah. But research, Murder researching, or sleep or... Researching. I yeah. do sleep fairly well, um, but also researching, not committing or anything like that. So, <laughs> Merch, we have some. Uh, be sure to check it out. We have added a few new designs uh, and a couple new products. Those are going up this weekend, maybe already up. I haven't checked. Um, but as of... They should be up tomorrow. New stuff hitting the merch new store. Stuff. Maybe new some stuff. Maybe some sweats, some cool things yeah. like that. Awesome. Well, now you gave it away. But um, to to Spoiler. order to order, check out our socials for a link, or go to Too Many Shirts. That's T O O Too Many Shirts dot com slash Midwest dash Murder. We also have launched what some would call a fan club, but we call it Club Midwest. It's like going down to Club Med, mm-hmm. but in a very lot lot less Florida, a lot less sun and beaches, a, a lot. Less the everything, nothing yeah. like Club Med, but nothing. Uh, but but it worked for us. Yes, but what we do in the in the Podfist, that's what I like to call our office. Is the Podfist? Uh, we come up with funny ideas and dumb names, and that was one of them. That name was we we really thought it was a banger. So it is. It is. Uh, so you can sign up to be one of our Midwesty besties for $10 a month, and that will get you access to exclusive virtual recordings, host interactions, episodes up to seven days earlier than the release date, and entry into our monthly merch giveaway, which we actually have one we'll be announcing this week. Coming right up. Mm-hmm. And pre-sale ticket codes to live events, things like that. Yeah. So always looking at different ways we can give back to those who support our independent show. Just a little extra. Absolutely. We... We greatly appreciate it. Those things, uh, that isn't just to, uh, just for fun. That is for us to get case files and all of those things. It's, uh, like Jonah said earlier, this is independently pr- produced and we are so very proud of that and we want to keep it that way as long as possible. Forever. Until someone offers us $1 million, <laughs> we'll be totally independent. Sure. I mean, I feel like that's something we should talk about, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, $2 million. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Anyway, this show is, uh, this evening is brought to you by Midwest Memoirs. It's also us. Uh, and if you've ever wondered how the stories of the people that you love most will live on after they are gone, Midwest Memoirs is here to help you capture those. And we help you capture the most precious memories of your loved ones as told in their voice. It's not just a book that they fill out. It's actually their voice, their stories, which is the story of your family. This is done with research. 
of your family member and completed through a professionally guided interview in a comfortable studio setting using state-of-the-art recording equipment. The most important stories that we'll hear are those of the people we love the most. Contact us today on Facebook or Insta, as the you, kids call it. You, you, can't, you can't put a price on being able to hear your grandma, grandpa, mom, dad tell an awesome story 20 years down the road when they're not here. Right. And that's, that's what we're doing for families with Midwest memoirs, and it's really fabulous. Yeah. I know you, you've had the, what, what gave you the idea for this and you know, that we are lucky enough to be able to partner on is you had uh, the opportunity to interview your grandma yep. and that's what's so important. And I have it the opposite way that, you know, my grandma passed away before I was able to do the interview with her. So it's, we have it on, on both sides and you know, what I wouldn't give to, to have that. So just, you know, tugging at your emotional, um, your emotions right now. Did it work? No. Okay. <laughs> it's about as much emo- as emotion as I can, as I can share. Anyway, let's move on. The year is 2012. Us millennials were killing the side parts and skinny jeans, and we're not actually being judged for them, if you guys remember. The Costa Concordia, led by Captain Francesco Chatino, brought the 60,000-ton ship too close to the Tuscan island, and uh, causing the ship, which was twice the size of the Titanic, and causing it to wreck, killing 32 people on board after, after a questionable evacuation. To make an already sketchy and avoidable disaster worse... The captain abandoned ship before everyone was evacuated. Ooh. I hear that's a bad thing. It was also the year of Queen Elizabeth II's Diamond Jubilee, which is the 60th anniversary of becoming the British monarch. And it was a 60 years full of scandal, privilege, and a few problems. The World Health Organization announced that diesel exhaust causes cancer. I don't it, believe it, it. It took us until 2012 it to, sounds to made realize up. It that. sounds like, like a conspiracy. I know. That feels like something we should have had figured out maybe a while ago, but whatever. Next thing you're going to tell me, cigarettes cause cancer. <laughs> I mean, kind of. The first Apple computer sold for a record $374,500, which was also the size of a small house. <laughs> Meryl Streep won her first Oscar in nearly 30 years for The Iron Lady, and it was also the first... It was also the year of the first silent film to win an Oscar since 1927. Oh. Yeah, I found that interesting. And that, of course, was the artist. Some of the inductees for the 27th Rock and Roll Hall of Fame were the Beastie Boys, Guns N' Roses, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Great, great lineup. I've actually seen all three of those bands live. That's kind of neat. Cool. (laughs) The hologram of late rapper Tupac made waves when it was featured on stage with Snoop and Dr. Dre at Coachella. Remember? Do you remember that? Absolutely. Like it was kind of a big deal. I, I really thought the emergence of hologram musicians was going to... I thought that was it. I thought I was finally going to get a chance to see Led Zeppelin. No. You did not. So, no, I no. didn't. No, that it was, was it. It was they like a super big deal at the time. And then the next day it was like, cool. And then they're like, that we're never doing that again. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I included that is because the uh, the person who has been arrested for Tupac's murder just the other day. So I thought I would include that here. Fun fact. Um, Also, snowboarder Sean White achieved the super, super pipe perfect score, which was the first ever in Winter X Games history. I am sorry. I do not snowboard, but that seems like a pretty big deal. Um, In Super Bowl 46, the New York Giants pleased me by beating the New (laughs) New England Patriots. So Eli Manning didn't cry that game, but he did beat Tom Brady. So... Makes me happy. Thank you. I appreciate 
that single yelp of solidarity. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton was suspended for the 2012 uh, scandal Bounty Gate, which was paying players to injure other players. Kind of scummy. Like, kind of so scummy. Weird. And I had kind of forgotten about that, but weird. Anyway, Bubba Watson won the 76th U.S. Masters Tournament. The L.A. Kings beat the New Jersey Devils in the Stanley Cup Final. Lance Armstrong, this is the year that he was stripped um, of his seven Tour de France titles for doping, which... Everybody does it. He yeah, just got caught. Things a little absurd, mm-hmm. that one. <laughs> yeah. And then the 30th Summer Olympics were held in London. Michael Phelps was crowned the greatest medal winner in Olympic history, winning his 19th Olympic medal and 15th gold. American swimmers Rebecca Sony and Missy Franklin broke world records in the breaststroke and backstroke. Female athletes from Saudi Arabia were able to complete, compete for the first time. Oh. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. And then, of course, the San Francisco Giants beat the Detroit Tigers winning the World Series. 2012. Mm-hmm. Feels like just yesterday. Kinda. Until I see pictures and I'm like, oh, no. <sighs> no. Not even a little bit. So I like the area so much in person. I keep taking us back there recently for cases. And uh, this case, uh, case takes us to Council Bluffs, Iowa, or, and also the Omaha, Nebraska area. Uh, forgive me for generalizing the area because there is a bit of a rivalry. So I don't mean to be obtuse for those of you from the, from that, that space. You're not picking I, a side, I, are you? I am not. I respect it. I respect how very different you guys are. Just throwing that out there. Please don't come at me. It happens. If you come at her, she'll come back. So watch out. <laughs> uh, it depends on the day. It depends on the She's day. She's feisty. <laughs> Liz Gallier knew childhood trauma more than the average person. Liz, whose mother had already lost custody of her two older children by the time Liz was born, was sent to foster care along with her younger brother when she was just a toddler. Her mom worked so hard to reunite with her children when just two weeks before she was able to do so, she was killed in a car accident. Then her father, who was quite abusive and far from an ideal father, died of severe alcoholism not long after, leaving Liz and her brothers to grow up in different foster homes. Liz's traumatic adolescence gave way to a seemingly average adulthood, with her eventually having two children of her own and a somewhat successful cleaning business. But definitely a rough go yeah, to, that, uh, to life. That start is life. brutal. Yeah. Dave Krupa lived a very, very different life. He grew up in a stable Southern Baptist home with parents who stayed with one another for life. And living a relatively normal, happy childhood, he found himself also living a relatively normal adulthood joining the National Guard, and then becoming a mechanic around the Omaha area. In 2011, Dave Krupa found himself single after ending his nine-year relationship with longtime girlfriend Amy Flora. And although they were committed to one another and the two children that they shared together, Amy wanted marriage, Dave did not. And to Dave, marriage was nothing more than a piece of paper, but it meant much more than that to Amy. Well, of course, it isn't as simple as that. They went their painful ways but were luckily able to remain civil and even friendly with one another for the sake of the children. In 2012, online dating was, of course, not what it is today, and meeting someone online and then subsequently dating them was not considered a meet-cute or an adorable story about how you met your current partner. I just learned that phrase. New to me, meet-cute. Meet-cute. It's a real term. Can you raise your hand if you know what that is? Is that... Meet-cute? Are you guys all under the age of 30? Is that a thing? Okay. But I like to show my age by calling it out that I didn't know what it was. 
instead of just, you know, rolling with it, but whatever. So anyway, it's, you I know, get weekly updates from my children on the mo- on modern lingo, but that one yeah. hasn't come up in my homework yeah. yet. I have to pay a 20 year old or a 21 year old to give me all of the, the updates. I don't think it's working very well. Anyway, uh, it's, you know, it's the, the adorable story of how you met your partner. Okay. Whatever I've never had a meet cute, I guess. Maybe it is. Maybe you don't, I don't know. I feel like you maybe you shouldn't say that in public. <laughs> Especially since, you know, you are in a committed relationship. So maybe you should Jonah that one out. Well, it didn't start by a meet cute. All right. Okay. You well, know? Can't wait for her to listen. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so today, obviously very different. One in five adults admit to meeting their current partner on a dating site or app. In 2012, that was very different and... You know, there was a little bit of shame around it, if you will, or people were a bit embarrassed, I guess, to uh, to admit it where where they met someone. Really, I'm surprised the that number is not higher today than one in yeah. five. Frankly, yeah. yeah, yeah, I was I was as well. A year after Dave ended his long term relationship, he was ready to get out there again, but not for a serious relationship of any kind. Frankly, said he was interested in casual sex and no commitment. So not a meet cute. No. It's, yeah, no. It's a different kind of meet up here. I'm not sure if the kids still say hookups, but that's okay. that's what we would call it in our day. Yeah. Make it sound like we should be on a rocking chair. But, yeah. <laughs> Is it sanctuary? We want we need rocking chairs yeah. up here for our next show, please. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. If you could give me, you know, some knitting needles and although I do knit, so that's not it's not funny. Never mind. <laughs> anyway. It's a real hobby. <laughs> it 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 really is. I have some projects to prove it. None of them are completed, but they're there. So he just wanted hookups. Not like he didn't want to just throw people away. You know, he had he had some standards, but he just definitely did not want a commitment. So he decided to give online dating a try. And of course, that dating site that he decided to choose was Plenty of Fish. I'm which, glad you didn't say back pages. <laughs> which has since been shut down. I mean, for yeah, lots back of, then it was, well that, yeah, I was pretty prevalent. Steady rolling. Yeah. I, I would say that plenty of fish is more of a cheesy marketing capitalization attempt on the dating cliche. Like, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of fish in the sea, like, Oh, cute. Anyway, um, whatever. I don't know why I'm picking them apart. It's not their fault, but anyway, whatever. <laughs> so the first woman to send him a message was Shanna Gallier or Liz, as most of her friends called her. We of course know her as Liz Gallier. Dave was immediately attracted to her, who, according to him, exuded sexiness. And after exchanging flirtatious messages, they agreed to meet for a first date, which took them to Perkins. Nice. That, that is a solid Midwest first date. It really is. It really is. Do you is. think they got the salad bar? It, at Perkins, there's no such salad bar. Okay. I've never had a meat cute at Perkins, so I guess I wouldn't know. Have you ever had a meal at Perkins? Like, It's been a while. Well, there's no salad bar, but... Anyway, in this late spring of 2012, as I sat in the booth across from one another, the attraction was definitely there, but the conversation felt forced. Dave had been incredibly clear from the beginning that he was not interested in more than a casual sexual relationship, which is definitely how you hook the girls. But, well, actually it does work. And well, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And especially with Gallier, because he knew it could never, ever be more than that. According to Dave, quote, she was not well-read. I couldn't have a conversation with her about the news. Oh, okay. He wanted someone who challenged him intellectually. It's not unfair. 
Not an unfair sure. want to have in a potential partner. Yeah. And over the next few weeks, despite Liz seeming to understand that Dave wanted nothing more than a casual, she was still climbing the clingy stages. Oh. Yes. So she okay. was expecting more time with Dave and would grill him about what he did and who he saw during the evenings that they didn't spend together, wanting to know who he was spending his time with. You said two weeks here. A couple of weeks in. Yep. All right. Yep. Coming in yep. hot, Liz. I wouldn't say she's stage five clinger, but like, I mean, pump the brakes a little bit. You know, it's, yeah. She's not quite at the buying him a gun rack stage. I do not own a gun, let alone well, many, many guns. Many guns to necessitate an entire rack. rack. Anyway, yeah, it's... Yeah, sorry. We just derailed you with Wayne's World there. Sorry. We did. I'm so sorry. It's... This is not the show you guys signed up for, and we don't typically do that. He's going to Jonah that one out. She seems like she's going into she is, Stacey She's, she's Stacey realms. territory from yes. Wayne's World. So yeah, absolutely. If you know, you know. <laughs> That's right. And if you would like to um, exchange Wayne's World quotes later, let me know. Yeah. So she was, of course, expecting more time with him, and he was like, no. And reminding her that it was not her business, he still encouraged her to see other people as well. But instead, she deleted her dating profile on Plenty of Fish and said she was not comfortable seeing more than one person at the same time. Okay, to each their own. And ignoring her unwillingness to accept the relationship as nothing more than casual and growing more and more irritated, he continued to have a sexual and one-sidedly casual relationship with Liz. Oh. So, Liz, one, for him, he, very upfront, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing more, but she's like, yeah, I'm not. You're my guy. Like, and he's like, yeah, okay. Like, I'm all so in at this point, yeah. What, what was she not grasping about the casual thing? Because this, this guy's not being a dick. He's being very upfront. It would be one thing if he had conned her into this and then right. and switched then it up. But he's on and all of that. Yeah. From what you're yeah. telling me here, he's been very upfront the whole time. And she's like, okay, I get it. But you're mine. Right. And I, I think, I think. Red flag. Big time. Like she could absolutely knit him a sweater with those for at this point. Like for sure. And, yeah. And Dave. She's made it clear that you're more than that for her, and you see that she's getting to the red flag stage nine clinger status, psycho hose be Stacy, but you keep going back. But here for the sexy time, completely. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, And I, women can sometimes be guilty of, I can fix that. He must not mean that with me. I can change him, those types of things. So can men, to be fair. Sure. Okay. That's, to, be fair. to be fair. That's and that's that's good to know. Actually, I, it, I didn't realize is, that. Yeah, 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 I didn't realize that. But I, I mean, definitely women. Women are guilty of that. Um, not all women, but a, a lot of the times it's like, well, you know, he certainly doesn't mean that with me. There's no way. He can't be serious. I'm so good in bed. Right. right. That's what she was thinking. Well, well he keeps she, coming. He keeps coming he keeps back coming for back. this. Yeah. It's pretty hot. Yeah. yeah. I'm just gonna keep. Yep. I'm going to keep... And if I have enough sex with him, maybe he'll fall in love with me. Maybe yes. I'll change, If I spend enough time yes. with him, maybe he'll fall in love with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Gallier continued to blur the lines of casual sex and serious relationship. And Dave let her, even though he would then pull away from her if she got too close. But then she would use sex as a weapon and pull him right back in. 
And Liz was incredibly jealous of his co-parenting relationship with his ex-partner, Amy. And according to Dave, he and Amy got along like sandpaper. So I wouldn't oh. even, you know, not friends, not, right. not chilling on the weekends together. But it's like lady. He has yeah. kids. He has kids. Mm-hmm. He's got to maintain. Right. And so when he'd take his, and, and actually, oddly enough, that was one of their bonds was that they had kids around the same age. So it just really seemed odd that um, she was so jealous of that. And when he'd take his kids out for lunch or dinner, she would accuse him of spending time with Amy. And Dave would get incredibly annoyed and get, an, get so annoyed that after a while, he would break it off with her only for Liz to return with sex after a week or two. Just a constant cycle. Okay. I, which, I, which seems really healthy. Oh I've just got to say it. This, this Liz chick had to have been really good in the sack. Like she, she just has to be so good. And she's, I'm sorry. She, I'm, I hate to jump to a quick judgment, but you know, they say the crazy ones are really good in bed. And Dave wasn't getting the memo. I mean, he was, he just didn't care. Yeah. He was like, wow. I believe, um, Buck Cherry wrote that horrible song oh. about that. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you feel a need to remind me? This that, is not how you remind me, yeah. Don. Well, um, if I if I wanted to punish us both, I would play it for us on the way home, but I won't. So, <laughs> if Dave wasn't obsessing over Amy or someone else that he was seeing, Liz could be docile and, and agreeable, and filled the space quite nicely in his otherwise lonely bed. That was it worked for both of them to a point. It kind of scares me that you refer to her as docile. That's kind of that's kind of terrifying at this point. His word, not mine. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And knowing that he wouldn't commit to her and knowing that he had been clear about his inability to to and just like directly to her, he was totally fine with their relationship, but mainly because he didn't think he was capable of breaking her heart. Oh, it seems like he's kind of perpetually breaking it every couple of weeks until he comes back for more and like this is a this is a, a cycle of heartbreaking is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. So as the months and their super healthy cycle continued, by <laughs> September 2012, Gallier was growing increasingly in need of serious conversations about where her relationship with Dave was going. Well, they're like four months in, so clearly he needs to propose. <laughs> yeah. I mean. What am I missing here? Duh. <laughs> so, she she wanted to know how he felt about her, which that's fair. I. That's absolutely fair. Reasonable. I think he's been clear, but I wasn't there. And, uh, and, and she hoped that they could move their relationship further. And, but, but to Dave, it had not changed. Like, one bit. Still there for a sexy time. Not anything else. I'm here for a sexy time in a long time, just not a serious time. Well, well said, actually, yeah. And in his mind, he, I mean, he was constantly, like having this conversation and wondering exactly how many times they needed to have this conversation. Why do I need to reiterate this again and again? If you have to answer, or if you have to ask yourself that question, I would say stop. <laughs> Just stop. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking in on a situation that isn't mine. So thinking he may feel more comfortable sharing his feelings in writing, she started sending him long texts and emails, asking him to open up about how he felt about her and their relationship. She also offered a proposal, not the marriage, 
but a four-week-long exclusive commitment to one another as a trial run to see if it could, quote, move their relationship forward. A novel idea. I think he's made himself clear. I mean, except the line's wavy, you know. Well, he ignored it. He's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not partaking. And because again, nothing in his mind had changed. But then she followed up with an email and asked if she would rather him, if, if she'd rather, if he'd rather her just go away. So she said to him, would you rather I just go away? Would that be easier? I mean, I don't want to speak for Dave, but kind of. I mean, I think, <laughs> like... Dave, this was your out. I don't know yeah. where this is going, but I'm feeling like this was your out. And, uh, yeah, I don't... That was Dave's out. Because not wanting to be hurtful, he repeated how he just wanted something casual. But he didn't mind spending time with her as long as she didn't expect a relationship. So she followed up with another email saying, quote, I know you have to think things over. Do you really not want to try? Stop overanalyzing everything. What did you feel? I got you to say a little bit today, which was nice to hear. That's all I want, really, is for you to tell me how you feel, honestly. And I know it's hard for you. You're very vague about things. And I wish you would open up, end quote. If a person is not opening up, you're not going to change them. I would actually wear a sandwich sign out in public with that. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have spent enough money on therapy I have a sticker on my computer that says so. You're not going to change them. Just, just don't. Um, I feel like maybe does this does this tie back to Dave's observation that she was quote not very well read? Is that why she just didn't get it? Like kind of dumb? Is that what you mean? Or well, is that, like is that what you're trying to say? No, or? no, no. Dave's oh, words okay. not very well read. Maybe intellectually lazy, as we've heard of, as one is, as one does. Hmm, that sounds familiar. I think I've heard that before. There might be a t-shirt out there somewhere. Weird. No, I would not hopefully put myself in the same category as she, but yeah. I think she was just trying to manipulate the situation. Okay. Yeah. And he's not opening up. He's being vague because he doesn't want to. And because he's like, no, man, I'm good. I just, I just want the sex. That's, that's it. And then she's like, oh, yeah, okay. But she keeps insisting that, you know, she's invested so much time into this relationship. And he's like... Nope, we're just having sex. She's like, but Dave, I've got five months into this. Four. Four. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and of course, Dave didn't think he was vague at all. But Dave, I hate to break it to you. You probably were. I mean, because maybe you didn't want to open up. Whatever, that's, that's yours. So she continued, quote, I know your past isn't very good, and I'm sorry for that. You're a wonderful man and deserve someone who will respect you. I don't want to be full of myself, but I'm very good to the man I'm seeing. Sorry, but I deserve someone like you, finally. Well, that's very nice. Yeah, that is nice. Okay. So Dave wasn't necessarily a man of few words, but perhaps Liz should have taken his few-word responses compared to her novels of communication as a sign that he wasn't feeling the same way. So she'd send like a wall of text and yes. get back like two to four sentences from him. If that. <laughs> if that. If that's happening... It's a sign, folks. It's a sign. It's a sign. Yeah. So still, she continued, and attempting to force his hand and get her way, and maybe she truly did believe that she could change him, she just persisted. And finally, he replied, trying to make himself clear, quote, I'm prepared to understand that you want more and will ask again. That's cool. Are you prepared to hear no again? Oh, Dave's I getting mean, edgy. 
just stop, stop responding. Oh, so he should have ghosted her? I mean, was the sex that good? Like how, and also, yes. and also, like I don't how, know, how crazy was she? Because that's going to really depend on the, how good the sex was part. How, how much more, like, how many times, I would like to ask this for you as well, Dave, like how many times do you have to have this conversation? You can actually control that answer. You don't have to. So we all, we all have that control over ourselves. It's weird. So <laughs> she responded, quote, what do I need to get you to take a chance? She hit send, but not waiting for his reply, she sent another response seven minutes later. I guess, quote, I guess hearing no isn't that big of a deal. It does make me wonder what is wrong with me. Wonder if I'm just a rebound. I guess with almost four months invested, I figure I'd get more from you. She continued, I always feel we take a small step forward, then you go to Amy, his ex-girlfriend and mother of his children, then we take ten steps backward. Am I really always going to have to play tug of war for you to drop the damn past? <laughs> he replied, quote, well, I hardly talk to Amy and I never see her, so it's not that. Well, Dave, what is it? So without delay, and as if Gallier was living only for his replies, she almost immediately responded, quote, are you scared of me? Do you think I'll cheat on you? Do you think you're not good enough? So master manipulator with words. She might not be well read, but she is... She knows how to push some buttons. Yeah. So the cliche, quote, it's not you, it's me, is cliche for a reason, okay? Like, I feel like he could have just stuck with that. But instead, he said, he said, I'm not good enough for you. Just because you have low standards, obviously, since you like me, doesn't mean I'm good for you. <laughs> oh, Dave. So insulting her, insulting her while insulting yourself... Who, who's more insulted there? I just, I'm just wondering. Which, which one of these two is more insulted by that statement? That is an excellent question. <laughs> yeah. So she continued with her original proposal and her persis persistence of him opening up. That's just what she wanted. And even though he didn't understand what her four-week proposal would accomplish, because in his mind, it's not going to accomplish anything, he was sick of her nagging and eventually just gave in to her. It's okay. We can, we can scoff a little louder than that because come on. Do we know how many side pieces he had aside from Liz? I'm just curious because he said he's keeping it casual because he's maintaining an open relationship. Do we know if he actually had any other relationships? That's the thing. It's not even an open relationship. He's just you, casual. You're he's, right. He's going on some dates. He's doing this. He's having sex here. He's... He, really doesn't owe anybody anything. Yeah. No matter how many red flags you put in the ground, we're not standing in it together. Right. These are not our red flags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Liz really thought so. And what she didn't know was that Dave had already met someone else that he really, oh, really liked. Okay. There it is. Dave, who of course, again, was a mechanic, was at work one day when a beautiful woman drove into the shop looking for help with her Ford Explorer. Instantly, there was a connection. And much to Dave's surprise, it was the first woman that he'd met, quote, the old-fashioned way <laughs> since his breakup the year before. Because, I, I mean, plenty of fish can be, a, you know, an addiction, I'm sure. And that's, lucky, you know, that's an unfair judgment lucky to him. For Dave, I'm just... she also had low standards like Liz. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but he held himself back from making a move because... And he felt that it was a mutual attraction, but he just wanted to make sure that he remained professional. So he didn't ask her out because, of course, she was the client. He was the, he was the shop guy. 
So Carrie Farver was a 37-year-old divorced single mom to her teenage son, Max. And she was a successful computer programmer who specialized in coding and lived in Macedonia, Iowa, which is a short 30-ish minute drive from Council Bluffs, about 40 minutes from Omaha. And Carrie was super close with her family, including her divorced parents, who remained friendly and co-parented as well as their kids grew up. And a few weeks after Dave had his brief encounter with Carrie, he was still in his four-week commitment. The trial stage. Yes, to Liz, but was obviously super committed because he was still scrolling through potential matches on Plenty of Fish. But he wasn't dating any of them, and he wasn't sexing any of them up. So he was... He was holding up his end of the bargain. And lo and behold, and completely by surprise, he saw Carrie's profile. So he sent her a message that said, Hi, I know you. Innocent enough. They exchanged a few friendly messages, but really nothing more. And of course, Liz and and Dave's dramatic but monogamous four-week commitment continued, and she was soaking it up. She was here for it. And they went to a Halloween party that Liz, uh, where Liz made costumes for both of them. And for her, it was, I think Dave was fulfilling an obligation while he was there with her. But for her, it was more about showing Dave off, like, uh, almost like she'd conquered her prize. This is my prize man. Yeah. And it was, it, but for Dave, it was just mere days away from freedom. Oh, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> And also, he didn't sign a contract. Like, he could have ended it. Your word is your bond. You know, shake on that? I mean... No. Well, anyway, nothing. I was going to make another horrible joke, but uh, obviously my jokes aren't landing well today, so I'm just going <laughs> to walk away. I'm not doing a good job. So the the freedom that he was looking forward to was, was not... Uh, basically, he was not busy because of Liz. He was busy because... He had his kids and, uh, and work, but Liz, of course, didn't, didn't notice because she's like, ooh, he's all mine. It's great. So a couple of weeks had passed since Dave and Carrie's encounter when she drove into the shop yet again that Dave worked at with another vehicle issue. He walked out to the vehicle with her, and this time neither wasted any time agreeing to a date, and that led them to their first date at Applebee's. Okay. Moving, yeah, big, it's a big, big leap up from... Perkins. Yeah. Nothing against Perkins. Anyway, so <laughs> sparks flew between the two of them, and Dave felt like he'd kind of met his match as far as, as that goes, being able to carry on a conversation that was stimulating and probably more well-read than, than Liz was. And Liz Gollier probably had a sixth sense, sixth sense as to how well their date was going because during the date, Dave and, uh, during Dave and Carrie's date, Dave's phone rang and beeped with text messages nonstop. All from Liz. She was in the Applebee's parking lot. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was half price appetizers. Oof. I don't know. I mean, maybe she was there. <laughs> but she, at that time, like it was an absolute emergency. She wanted all of her things that she had left at Dave's house. Like immediately. Oh. Dave kind of brushed Liz off and told her that he would get back to her. And then Carrie and Dave moved their date to Dave's house, only to be interrupted then by the buzzer of Dave's apartment building. Oh, no way. Jonah, I'm sure you have no idea, but who do you think was at the buzzer? Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's old red flag Liz. It is. It is. So Dave explained to Carrie that 
he had a bit of a situation with an ex-girlfriend that he needed to deal with and that it would probably be best if she left. Carrie was more than cool with it. Dave walked Carrie to the door. Carrie brushed past Liz and both barely glanced at one another. Oh, man. That's so awkward. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. It, definitely some secondhand embarrassment for Liz there. And Dave was once again confronted with Liz's demand for commitment just after she, she saw a, a date leaving his apartment. But he declined with the same line that he'd been telling Liz for months. Sex, yes. Relationship, no. I'm seeing other people. You should do the same. Blah, 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 blah. So after he was finally able to finish his discussion with her, it was still somewhat early, about 9 p.m., so he called Carrie to see if she was interested in finishing their date. Bold. I mean, it worked because she invited him to her absolutely beautiful historic home in Macedonia that was filled with perfectly curated combination of like family and modern furniture. She had just had an eye for decorating and, and everything. It was a gorgeous home. The sparks were still flying between Carrie and Dave when he showed up at the house that, um, which she had actually purchased from her grandparents. And the two were on the exact same page when it came to what they were looking for. Neither were looking for a relationship. Beige flags here, big time. Like, sure. Just, yes, this is good. So Dave was obviously still enjoying his own thing. And even though his actions kind of showed otherwise, and Carrie had just had a, a relationship that ended somewhat poorly, almost stalkerishly. It had ended in like in a protection order. Oh, these so two have so much in common. Yeah. So she's like, you know, I'm, I'm good. We can be cash. It's cool. And maybe they should have introduced each other's stalkers. Yeah. That's, that was his out. Dave, that was your out. Yeah. So about Carrie, Dave thought, quote, he hit the jackpot. Neither wanted a monogamous relationship, but the two definitely had something and continued, continued to see each other over the next few weeks. So he went from hitting the crackpot to hitting the jackpot. When we sat down here, I, when I use the word literally, I mean it, because I've explained it many times, the improper use of the word literally drives me figuratively insane. I literally had just shared the, the Google Doc with Jonah, like literally just shared it with him. So he's not seen anything. He came up with that one all on his own. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. For, for first timers. I know. I this, know. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. This is Don's script. I do not know the story. These are 100% organic reactions from me. If you did not know how that's how this works... Good jokes included. Yeah. Yeah. So, we've established that he hit the jackpot. <laughs> He's been hitting a lot of pots. <laughs> I would appreciate it if you actually never said that anything like that ever again. <laughs> that... That feels icky, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, neither wanted a monogamous relationship, but the two definitely had something and continued to see each other over the next few weeks. And luckily for the two of them and their budding relationship, Carrie's employer was just around the block from Dave's apartment. So, as she was working on this major project at work, he invited her to stay a couple days during the week so that she didn't have to commute back and forth. As Dave and Carrie continued... Um, I also like to point out, he never offered that with Liz, but, uh, no. 
As, as Dave and Carrie continued, Carrie received a couple of Facebook friend requests from people that were from Macedonia. And in a small town such as that, she was quite surprised that she didn't know any of them. And to one, she even messaged them, quote, do I know you? Absolutely no response. Oh, well. And it, it was actually 2012, and that was the random Facebook world. Very know. different Facebook world back then. Big time. It wasn't even called meta then. And... For most of it, for most of us, it still is. Still isn't. <laughs> so, things didn't. Those things didn't start happening. Those random friend requests didn't start happening until she started staying at Dave's house, and and you know the relationship started to take off a little bit. On November thirteenth, two thousand twelve, Carrie woke up next to Dave in his bed, and around six thirty a.m., Dave said goodbye and said he would see her later that evening. Carrie signed into her computer, but never showed up for work. She sent a message to Dave suggesting that they move in together. Dave responded with a brief message to tell her that he didn't think that was necessarily a good idea. Carrie responded almost immediately, quote, fine, fuck you. I'm seeing somebody else. Don't contact me again. Oh. She unfriended him on Facebook shortly after, and that was it. And even though Dave didn't know Carrie incredibly well, her response didn't quite seem like her because he thought they both had a mutual understanding. But in his mind, at least, it was ending before it really got started, and he thought he dodged a bullet. So people close to Carrie started receiving rude and disturbing texts from her, but still nobody had seen her. To Dave, Carrie told him that all of his dates were whores, texting him just these random things. She told him the one that she met, referring to Liz, wasn't, quote, ugly fat whore. Liz started receiving emails and texts from Carrie, too, telling her to stay away from Dave. And her family wasn't exempt from such messages either. Carrie's mom was terrified that something had happened to her. It was not like her to miss work like that, and she certainly wouldn't ignore or leave her pride and joy max. The weekend after Carrie's communication changed, she was supposed to go to her brother's wedding. Now, keep in mind, her dad was dealing with terminal cancer. So her brother and fiancé had actually moved the wedding to make sure that he could attend while he was alive. And so it was incredibly odd for her to miss such an important milestone, especially next to her son. She also missed her best friend's baby shower, one that she had helped plan. Even though her mom was concerned, Carrie was still communicating with her. Carrie texted her and told her that she was too controlling and wanted to be left alone. Carrie's mom then reported her missing. So Carrie had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder years before. The extreme mood swings and highs and lows that come along with the disorder when uncontrolled can make a person somewhat unpredictable. And it was Carrie not controlling her disorder and dealing with the ramifications that can come with that. And when police learned that Carrie's medication was left at home, they weren't ruling out that she left on her own accord. So this fact makes it, I won't say justifiable, but not completely out of reason that she was sending all these hostile messages to her family. Right. Oh, God, it's chilling. So then Carrie's supervisor received a text message that said she had taken a different job in Kansas and was moving. She also told, told them that a friend of hers, Shanna Gallier, would be coming in to apply for the position. Oh. What still didn't sit right with Carrie's mom was that Carrie's grammar and spelling was typically impeccable. In the communication she, that she'd been receiving as of late, it was not. Dave had noticed it as well. I'm saying this out in public now. If, like, you know how I text, and you know how I write all that stuff, if shit goes wonky and I start sending you, like, messed up messages 
I'm on to it. You? I'm, I'm on to it. You go to, you go to my house? I, I know yeah. that a crackpot got you. Yeah. Like, you go to my house, and, there, and you get the file, the I've been murdered file. You get it. Like, get it. And you think I'm joking. There's one. Yeah. Oh, big same. Big same. That's, that's, we made a deal here. We did. So the vile messages from Carrie only seemed to bring Liz and Dave together. And Dave felt responsible for bringing Liz into such a mess and agreed to, and agreed to spend more time with her. Basically out of guilt. But yet the harassment continued, both of them receiving hundreds of texts and emails every single day. Hundreds. Hundreds. And remember, it was 2012, and technology, much like it does today, develops constantly. So police weren't concerned as much with Carrie being missing as they were with the harassment that Dave and Liz continued to be victims of. Oh, Liz is such a victim here, for sure. So attempting to locate her, Carrie, they pinged her cell phone, which only brought them to the general vicinity of Dave's residence. They searched the area, and her vehicle was nowhere in sight. Carrie emailed the police department at one point saying, quote, I don't care about the missing person report, but I would really appreciate it if you would leave Dave Krupa out of it. I will be leaving the state. My mother overreacted. I've been to my house a few times. Do, how long at this point has it been since anyone has actually seen Carrie? A few weeks. Weeks. Oh, man. But now at this point, the months have carried on. What? And Carrie's messages continued, even though still nobody had seen her. So she would send Dave messages about the outfits that he was wearing. She didn't attend her father's funeral. And she even responded to messages that her son had sent to her on Facebook. This is so fucking creepy. Her son, her son was so skeptical and even asked clarifying questions and, you know, tell me this. If you're really my mother, tell me this. Smart. Good mm-hmm. on him. And, of course, she just wouldn't respond or, you know, blew up at him. So Carrie then sent her mom a message saying that she sold all of her furniture and that the buyer would be coming by to pick it up. In the text, she included a picture of a check that was made out to Carrie, and the amount on the check was $5,000. Her mother pushed back, knowing that there would be no way that she would be selling furniture from her grandparents, all of that. I did not find anywhere, absolutely anywhere, if they ever came to get the furniture. I did not find it anywhere. I was very disappointed in that. So her, so Carrie's Facebook account remained active for all of her friends, and she would sometimes post cryptic messages. Oh, vague booking. Yes. Yeah. Which was very much a thing back in 2012. Yeah. At one point, she posted, quote, hey, got a great guy, David Krupa, moving down to Kansas. Now if, now if I can get my son to move with me, I'd be so happy. At this point, Carrie was unaware that her parents had now been granted custody of Max. Wow. The stocking seemed to be the only thing holding Dave and Liz together, but at least it was a bond. Liz called her, quote, crazy Carrie. In messages to Liz, Carrie claimed to be pregnant with Dave's baby and texted her, quote, Dave and I want to provide a happy home for this baby, so I am kindly asking you to please back off and leave Dave alone. Can I ask a clarifying question here? Please. In... During Carrie's disappearance, is it safe to say that Dave was hooking up with Liz? Oh yeah, they like they, they, they oh. the oh man the harassment brought them together. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to be clear yeah. on that that they were mm-hmm. together together. I mean, spending one night a week together. Okay, yeah, which was a lot for them. I mean, it's so. a lot for me, <laughs> and I'm I'm eleven years removed. 
The interesting thing is that Carrie had had a hysterectomy prior to her disappearance, so there was absolutely no way for her to be pregnant. Oh, Liz. So months later, Dave, out of nowhere, saw Carrie's car in the parking lot. Absolutely no sign of Carrie, or anyone actually. There were no fingerprints, not even Carrie's, except for a little mint tin that was located in the car. Didn't match Carrie, didn't match anybody. In the parking lot of... His, oh, I'm sorry, of his, of his apartment building. Okay, yep, okay. My apologies. Then, Carrie's mom received a call from a man named Dave Krupa. He told her that Carrie had called and that she was at a homeless shelter in Omaha and was ready to be picked up. So finally, some hope. And maybe there's some truth to her untreated episode at this point. And when detectives and Carrie's mom arrived, Carrie was absolutely nowhere to be found. All hope seemingly lost. Almost a year after Carrie went missing... Whoa. We're up to a year? Mm-hmm. Liz Gallier came home to find her house was on fire. At that point, it had to be Carrie. Who else could it be? With the harassment, everything. Gallier received a message from Carrie earlier in the day with threats that Carrie would kill her and her children. The investigators found that the cause of the fire was, in fact, arson. Sadly, all of Carrie's pets died in the fire. Or, pardon me, oh, all of Liz's, Liz's pets died in the fire. This is Liz's house that yes, Liz's was house. set on fire. Yeah. Oh, For the next man. two years, two years, Carrie's messages were still received. The harassment didn't keep Dave and Liz together like they had in the past, but the relationship was still somewhat casual. Okay, so we're three years removed from her disappearance, and Dave is still fucking her? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't have to say that. Thank you for making that leap. Well, listen, I come on, Dave. Like, somewhat casual. Like, that's where I think we all know what that means. I mean... I'm nearly speechless. Not speechless enough. (laughs) Sorry. I'm so sorry. You teed it up for me. I like I would I would be an idiot not to take it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. I love your comments. They're great. So at this point, Carrie had been missing for over three years, as Jonah pointed out. A different investigator from the police department took over the case and thankfully was more suspicious than any previous detective. Well, fuck, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. It just seemed odd to everybody at this point that someone could be so obsessed after being with someone for such a short amount of time. So thank you for not blaming mental health at this point. That's that's basically what they wrote off. It's like, "Mm, that's probably what it is. Sorry, (sighs) she's... Carrie in her disappearance, yeah, she, she kind of gotten, she got written off it feels like because of that bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and none of this is normal. You haven't seen your son. And I get, man, that, that, that is a, can be a scary and difficult mental health issue to manage that does result in, in some crazy situations, but come on three years. I mean, that's, that's, that's insane to me. Well, and to barely to investigate it more just because of the harassment than than a missing person. And, it just seems... Well, right. And you, you couple granted, that with... We have, we have more information. Messages. We have more information right now than they did at the time. But... It just... I know that the, 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 the ability to track where those messages were coming from existed then. And at least it warranted that. It at least warranted a follow-up on, okay, 
These messages are getting sent from a device. From a device, we need to know couldn't. what device it is coming from. And maybe I wasn't maybe I wasn't clear, but they could they could pinpoint the area, right? But not the exact location. Well, you got to go one step further up into the the IT call. Get a better IT department. Yeah, I'm just getting riled up here. This poor yeah. lady's been missing for three freaking years, and she's sending batshit messages all over the place. At the end, I want you to bring up the IT again. Okay? Remember that. Help me remember Somebody that. Somebody remember that, okay? At this point, it was absolutely unbelievable what Liz was experiencing. She was growing increasingly worried now about Amy Flora, Dave's ex-girlfriend and mother of his children. Because she was beginning to receive threatening and harassing messages from her as well. So Liz at this point was alone in a quaint park in Council Bluffs in the evening, kind of processing everything, doing some deep thinking like she did somewhat often, she said. While sitting on a park bench, Liz Gallier was shot in the leg. A dark female figure shot her, ran away. When interviewing those involved in the case... Liz allowed police to download messages on her phone to hopefully assist in finding the person responsible. Oh, you crazy idiot. (laughs) When police questioned Amy, she couldn't believe what she was hearing. Her youngest son from a relationship after she'd had, after Dave, that that baby was asleep in his crib. Her alibi was solid. There was absolutely no way she could have done this. And detectives agreed. The person who shot Liz was still out there. Now listen, if this turns out to be Carrie for real, I will feel like a total asshole. I don't think it's going to be Carrie, but man, there's, I don't know where this is going and, and there's still, there's a chance. I like when I keep you questioning. That's my favorite thing. Well, I, I, my immediate thought too, if she's shot in the leg, of course my belief is that she shot herself in the leg, but if that, if that happened, the, the ballistics would be pretty obvious because she would have to hold that gun herself close enough and you should be able to tell. Uh, oftentimes you can tell when a bullet wound is self-inflicted, not all the time, but the ballistics can show that based on the barrel markings and, and the outburst and all of, all of those factors. Sure. I'm glad... Well, you're using the smarticle particles there. <laughs> My daughter would be horrified that I use that out in public. <laughs> she would be absolutely horrified. Well, I'm horrified that her people say, meet cute. <laughs> Fair. So, one thing I didn't put in here is Dave Krupa had a gun that was missing as well. Oh. Weird. I wonder, I wonder who had oh, the gun. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just waiting for that. So when interviewing those involved in this entire case, uh, I, I said that, that Liz you know, allowed police to download messages. And she committed and was more determined than ever to help catch whoever nearly killed her. Yeah, Liz really desperately wants to be the hero here. I can tell. Sure. Liz contacted detectives with an email from Amy Flora in hand with a complete confession to shooting her and also killing Carrie Farver. The email stated that Carrie was abducted after Dave left for work on November 13th, 2012. All of Carrie's tattoos were listed in in the email in perfect detail, including one that was not even publicly released or even in the missing person file. Sadly, at this point, it was likely that Carrie was dead. The email claimed that Carrie had been stabbed in the abdomen and then burned before being thrown in a garbage can details about things the public did not know. 
At this point, there was absolutely no way detectives suspected Amy Flora. None. The email was sent from an IP address belonging to Liz or Shanna Gallier. And I'm, I'm sorry, I actually misspoke. It's actually her longtime boyfriend, whom she'd been dating for years before meeting Dave, and also lived with off and on along with her children. Yeah, she actually was in a relationship what? the entire time. No, the, the entire this time. This is real. This is, she, she didn't make this up. Neither her real. nor I made this up. Yeah. 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 Oh, shit. Yeah. Or, or the court documents, actually, for that matter. Yeah, yeah, no, she... She had a longtime boyfriend. And this is why Buck Cherry wrote that song. <laughs> We've come full circle. I will, I will send them a very nice email and tell them that I'm sorry that I publicly said that your song sucks, but it does still suck. So even now. <laughs> but anyway, at this point, Dave was warned that Gallier was dangerous by law enforcement and at their urging, Dave moved in with his ex-girlfriend and children. I feel like Dave had to know she was dangerous the whole time, but didn't care because dangerous sex is so damn good. Maybe that's what made it so good. While Gallier walked right into the trap, the detectives hoped that she would. She called the detective nearly hysterical because it was unfair that Amy killed Carrie, tried to kill her, and now gets to be with Dave. <laughs> Just the cherry on top. And she gets to be with Dave. I... Also, that's... That's the last person I'm going to call to vent to is the detective who's asking me some funny questions. I mean, you showed up with a fake printed email with the confession. It's just... It's so absurd that she thought this was going to work. Uh -huh. Maybe it will. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. So, just a few hours later... She forwarded them, detectives, and even longer, and even more, detailed email regarding Carrie's murder. It doesn't get much more absurd. No. So at this point, they're like, uh-huh, yeah, that's cute. We're on to you, and they're done. So they, at this point, prior to arrest, had secured some search warrants. Well, it's about damn time. <laughs> and and searched a few of Gallier's known residences. One of which, of course, was you know her longtime boyfriend and other places that she lived. While detective, detectives didn't find much, they did find multiple cell phones and cameras, one of which, one, of, one camera, which belonged to Carrie Farber that had a video of Carrie along with her friends. And the cell phones, they had evidence, deleted evidence, and phone calls, one of which made to Carrie's mom. Liz Gallier was then arrested for murder of Carrie Farber on December 16th, 2016. And still, she maintained that she was the victim. Not surprised? The one issue was that they didn't have a body, and there was also no crime scene or murder weapon. There's almost no forensic evidence at all here. There is no forensic evidence at all. Well, you got I the emails is, I mean, slightly, you know, you've got maybe a digital footprint of some kind, but... You have digital evidence, uh, yeah. but you don't have forensic no, you, evidence. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No physical yeah. Forensic, yeah. forensic evidence. We're splitting hairs. Yeah. I'm sorry. Dave Krupa, out of nowhere, when detectives asked him if there was absolutely anything else he could remember, was like, oh, wait, I have this dusty old iPad of Liz's because basically she just had a habit of leaving shit around everywhere. On there, in places that Gallier thought were gone forever, were trophy pictures of what appeared to be a human foot. Was it attached to a body? 
On the foot was a tattoo that matched Carrie Farver's. It was not attached to the body. Oh. It was just, you could tell that it was a freshly severed human foot. In 2017, Shanna Gallier was sentenced to life without parole, plus 20 years for second-degree arson. And of course, she continues to maintain her innocence. Oh, man. Do you think, this is what I want to know, because I was fired up about this one. Do you think that Dave Krupa is complicit in any way in Gallier's actions? Yes, complicit enough to make him guilty of her actions or like uh, complicit enough to be an accomplice? No, no. but he's, his actions drove her toward the murder. I, I mean, maybe not were the defining factor, but he wasn't, he was not doing her mental state any favors with his ongoing, yeah, we can have sex and Oh, my ex-girlfriend disappears. We'll still keep having sex. You're weird. All the so yeah. I think Dave, Dave is totally complicit. Dave, Dave fucked this up. There's. I wouldn't say. Forgive me for the the expression, but I wouldn't say there's blood on his hands. However, his he was already dealing with a mentally unwell person, and I think his actions and yo-yo behavior definitely contributed to this. Dave was willfully ignorant is exactly what he was. He was willfully ignorant the entire time because he wanted to get laid. That's it. That's what it feels like to me. Hmm. And Liz clearly had problems, needed therapy and maybe needed some of her own bipolar meds. I don't know. She needed help. And and Dave, he, he wasn't helping shit. Well, I, I think, I mean, it, it's hard to... It Obviously, this this can't be pinned on him. And yes, he was a victim of harassment and all of those things from his own fake girlfriend, you know, but, or I don't know what I would call her. She yeah. wasn't a girlfriend. It's hard to label it. Right. But I, I think what I, what I struggle with is this, the, the behavior because it's allowed. And yes, Liz Gallier does not deserve any sympathy whatsoever. She, none. But Dave Krupa's behavior is permitted and allowed all because he doesn't want to hurt someone, but yet he's going to just continue because she's good at sex. And and to do it after Carrie disappeared, that's, that's, that's where it really became, I guess, problematic for me is, is you, you just had to have felt something was off. You, but you in, in his be... mind, he thought that Carrie was, he dodged a bullet with her. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But and really, this is all speculation and really, conversation. He, he, I mean. he felt like he dodged a bullet, but then he just took the other bullet into the bed. <laughs> yeah. So I want to oh. I want to point out that, and obviously, I mean, we could have an entire episode on Liz Gallier's mental health and diagnoses. I mean, wow. We won't. Obviously, there were some major, major issues there. Um, but I, I want to point out that she basically made this a full-time job. Over three years, she sent over 15,000 emails. Holy shit. And over 50,000 texts. What? 50,000? Five zero. Yeah. 15,000 emails and 50,000 texts. Uh, IT. 
that's where we were. I was going to ask about the IT, and then I find myself wondering, is 2012, what kind of phone was she using to send those texts? She must have had a BlackBerry. That was She must have had a BlackBerry for the... It was definitely long texting. You think it was? I remember. I have no idea. Oh, I feel like she had to have had a BlackBerry with a little keyboard. Did I have an iPhone then? I don't know. Uh, Like an iPhone 0.5? I don't know. It seems like a long time ago. But the... One of the people that was uh, credited with helping solve this, aside from the detectives, two detectives, one from Omaha, one from Council Bluffs, but was also um, someone from the IT department within the police department. He was a forensic analyst, uh, or a compute, forensic computer analyst, if I recall his name pro- or his, his title properly. But uh, without him, they never would have found those pictures on that dusty old iPad. Good. The yeah. promote promote him. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, so it's it's and I think he he is he's a supervisor. Good. So it's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Earned, earned, yeah. and and the other I, I like I still the the other boyfriend guy also. What's his deal? Like how he had to have known Liz was doing some crazy shit. He's got you know she's got kids with him and and, and she's with him. She's the other boyfriend and. Like her obsession with Dave is really strange to me after learning that she had these other relationships, boyfriends, obsessions. What made Dave the target of obsession as opposed to the men she was already with or someone else? That is an excellent question. I wish I had an answer. Yeah, I, just my own, my own pondering. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people wish they had that answer. But Todd Butterbaugh is his name. And he met Liz in September 2010 also through an online dating site. Intentionally and or by accident? That's the Oh, that's the other boyfriend guy. Yeah. Okay, what? Yeah. sorry. Yeah. Thought you were talking the IT guy here. No, oh, no. I was like, what, the IT guy? Like, what? Wow, who is this woman? Like, what, what, like, <laughs> Jeez, what kind yeah. of maniac is she? Like, my gosh. Like, shield yourselves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the sex. Yeah. Uh, she, she met him in September 2010, and they dated until uh, September 2015. So the, that, that long. Yeah. So according to court documents, uh, he helped her with her bills, helped her buy a car. Uh, she lived with him and her kids, cared for his, her kids. Yeah. Nice guy. A nice guy. Um, and, oh, and also I should point out that she didn't leave him out of the threatening messages either. He was also threatened. Yeah. Carrie also. Carrie, of course. Carrie, yeah. which was actually Air Liz. quotes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it was this, this, this woman is unwell and also set a fire to her own residence and killed and her own herself. animals. And shot herself. Killed her yeah, own, killed animals own animals in that fire. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's, that's that. This, I mean, this is one of the, one of the most un, unwell people we've ever encountered. Yeah. She made a full time job of stalking. Yeah. Whoa. So, the Full, full-time sources, stalker doesn't pay well. No, does not pay well. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, sources for today on this day.com, pewresearch.org. Uh, the uh, court documents were abundant in information and also the book A Tangled Web by Leslie Rule, um, Anne Rule's daughter, if you're familiar with true crime author Anne Rule. That's what I have. So uh, don't forget to buy merch, uh, too dark or uh, too many shirts slash Midwest dash murder. Uh, this episode is written by myself. Hi, uh, hosted this, 
We Midwest Murder is hosted by Joan Alanto and myself, Don Palumbo, and it is pr- produced by the Good Talk Network. Thank you so much, Fargo. 